Specialty Stories is part of the MedEd Media Network at mededmedia.com. This is Specialty Story session number 11. Whether you are a pre-med or medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you will want to practice. This podcast will tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information you need to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. Welcome to the Specialty Stories Podcast. My name is Ryan Gray, and I am your host. I also host many other podcasts, the MCAT Podcast, the Pre-Med Years, and the Old Pre-Meds Podcast, to name a few. So if you are a pre-med student, go check out mededmedia.com. If you're a medical student, welcome and thank you for joining me on this journey as I as I gather information for you for the first time. All the other podcasts are dedicated to pre-med students and specialty stories is really the first one that branches into the medical student world. And I appreciate all of the medical students that are reaching out to me through email, Twitter, Facebook, wherever, and and saying, hey, I'm a medical student and I listen. So thank you for that. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. I'm not going to interview a specialist. I thought I would intersperse the discussions with the specialists with the actual data from the NRMP, the, the match, basically, program, to, to actually take a look at each of these specialties to see what the match shows for people. And so that's what I'm going to do today. And I'm going to dig into, I, I, I'm going to go in alphabetical order to make it a little bit easier. And since this is the first one, we'll see how it goes. But I'm going to dig into anesthesia for this first one. And all of this information, if you Google NRMP match data, you'll find all of this information available for you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over some of this data and talk about it and hopefully break down some of this information for you. All right, so the first big data comes in table one in this NRMP match data, and this is match data from 2016. So as we're going through this, it'll probably transition to 2017 data for other programs as I go through. But I'm not expecting a huge change in numbers. I sound a little Donald Trumpish there by saying huge. Sorry, <laughs> I'm not allowed to bring politics into this discussion. Anyway, um, so table one. So if there are, if I notice once the 2017 data comes out, if there's a huge change in the match data for programs that I've already covered, I'll go back and update and, and mention those in future episodes as well. So let's talk about anesthesiology PGY-1 position. So PGY-1 means postgraduate year one. So this is internship, basically. So anesthesiology, if if you are applying for anesthesiology right out of medical school, you are applying for a PGY-1 program. There were 119 programs in the country, and there were 1,127 spots at those 119 programs. So roughly... 10 spots at each program, a little bit less. There were 23 programs that went unfilled. And this is always a huge thing that I like to point out to students, that especially for a very competitive specialty like anesthesiology, 
there were a lot of programs that went unfilled. So the question is, where were those programs? Were they more rural areas, more of a rural academic hospital where students don't want to be? Or is it a newer program that people don't know about? Or what is the, the deal there? So that's something to think about. As if you're interested in anesthesiology, 23 programs went unfilled. So the NRMP also gives data that, that breaks down the number of applicants that are U.S.-based and, and the number of applicants total uh, for matching. So you have U.S. seniors and total applicants. So let's, let's break that down. So there were... 1,127 positions offered and 1,107 U.S. graduating seniors that applied and 1,748 total applicants applied. So there were almost 650 applicants, non-U.S. applicants applying and and, and it, it kind of skews a little bit too because the data shows U.S. seniors. So it could be somebody maybe that didn't match their senior year and is reapplying for a PGY1 spot. They could be included in this roughly 650. It could be uh, graduates from uh, it, international graduates, uh, non-U.S. citizen international graduates right? Or U.S. citizen international graduates, meaning a lot of students that go to the Caribbean for medical school. So those are included in that roughly 650. The number of matches, so 1,107 U.S. seniors applied, 774 matched, roughly 70% match rate. And then uh, 1,072 total matching, and so percentage filled, when you look at it, 68.7% of the programs were filled by U.S. seniors, 68.7% by U.S. seniors. And the, the last column in Table 1 talks about ranked positions. I'm not really sure the, the usefulness of that column, so I'm not really going to talk about it. Table 1 also covers PGY2 positions. So if you are uh, applying for a PGY2 spot, I guess some programs that if you do a prelim surgery year or a prelim medicine year, meaning just a one-year internship, it's a, a separate match that you go through, not a, not a separate match, but a separate program that you are applying to, some anesthesiology programs want you to apply to a PGY-1 spot, and then you start your PGY-2 year in anesthesiology. There are, there are some programs that are like that. Dermatology is mostly like that, where you, you apply to dermatology for your PGY-2 year, and you start your PGY-1 year doing a transitional year or a, um, a, a prelim medicine year or prelim surgery year. So there are more programs and, and it kind of skews it a little bit. So you have to you have to kind of look at both of these totals. So there as we talked about before, there are 119 programs for PGY1, meaning you apply directly to anesthesiology and you're in that one program. 
for the entirety of your residency. And then there are 77 PGY2 programs for anesthesiology for PGY2 spots. So those 77 programs, you apply there as as you're going through the match process, you're applying as a PGY2, but you're also trying to match another program for a PGY1. So it just complicates things and adds a lot of a lot of stress. And there were 481 positions available for that. And again, more unfilled programs, 16 unfilled programs, 952 U.S. senior applicants, 1,540 total applicants, and then 290 matches for U.S. seniors to a PGY-2 anesthesia program and 441 total. So it's interesting for the PGY-2 anesthesia programs that the U.S. seniors filled 60.3% of those programs, but the PGY-1 was 68.7. So something, something's a little off there. There's, that's a big difference to have almost a, an 8% difference, 8.4% 8, difference in U.S. seniors filling programs for PGY-1 versus PGY-2. And I hope this isn't super confusing for you as I talk about PGY-1 and 2 and the, all these percentages and numbers. Again, as you, as you, it's probably best to listen to this episode while you have Table 1 in front of you. Again, search for NRMP match data and pull up the 2016 match, uh, the, the residency match results and look at Table 1, which we're breaking down right now. There is one other spot on here that has physician positions. So this is these are for people that have prior postgraduate training. I'm not going to go into that because it's very specific to to people that uh, to physicians who already have some postgraduate training. So I'm going to skip over that part. Now, table two in this NRMP match data uh, twenty again 2016 match data for anesthesiology. Table two is interesting because it breaks down the specialty by applicant type. So this is telling you who is applying to these spots. And it actually says applicant type, but this is uh, people that matriculated or, or were matched. So, so this is who, who is matching in this program. So if you look at anesthesiology, PGY1, again, this is table two in the NRMP 2016 match data. There were 1,072 positions filled. And of those 1,072, 774 were U.S. seniors, meaning MD. If, if it just says specifically for NRMP, if it says U.S. senior, they are specifically referring to allopathic graduates, MD graduates. So there were 774 U.S. seniors. There were 19 U.S. grads. So these are people that maybe took a gap year before applying to anesthesiology. Maybe they didn't match their first time around and did maybe some research or something in between. But these are U.S. graduates 
and uh, again, MD graduates that applied for anesthesiology, but they weren't seniors, so they were applying past their normal time. 154 of the 774, so little over 14% of total matching, the total matches were osteopathic graduates. So that's kind of interesting. And as we dig through more data as we go, we'll see if around 14% is a good number or not. Zero were Canadian, zero were fifth pathway, and we haven't really talked about fifth pathway in the specialty stories or even in the pre-med years podcast, so I'm not going to talk about that much. Uh, We had U.S., so U.S. citizen international medical graduates. There were 70. So if you look at it, there's always this discussion of should I go to a Canadian MD school or a U.S. DO school? If you just look at these numbers, 154 osteopathic matches and 70 IMG matches for U.S. citizens. There were 55 non-U.S. citizen international medical graduates, so a pretty big number, and then 54 unfilled or 55 unfilled spots. So it's it's important to remember these numbers. You can't just look at the numbers and go, "Oh, I I obviously if I want to be an anesthesiologist, I need to go to a U.S. M.D. school," because the the numbers are skewed. If you look at 774. For U.S. seniors, and, and we'll add the other U.S. grads in there too. So if, if you add the U.S. grads, you're looking at 793 U.S. seniors or U.S. graduates from MD schools versus only 154 for DO. You're like, oh, it's a no-brainer. Go to an MD school. But it's not that easy because there were only in, in, in 2016 the latest ACOMIS profile for applicants and matriculants. There were 6,778 matriculants to DO Medical School. And there were 21,030 matriculants to MD School. So there are a lot more MD students than DO students. Now, if you look at just the raw numbers here, the, the numbers of applicants... If, if we say the DOs and MDs are equal for anesthesiology matching in an MD program, then you would expect possibly that the, the numbers of osteopathic students would equal the, the, the same percentage that there are students in the schools, if that makes sense. So if, if there were, it's about 30%, of MD, there are about 30% DOs versus the MD schools or MD students. And so you would expect about 30% for the, the um, anesthesiology matching as well for osteopathic students, but that's not the case. It's only, what did we say, 14.3% roughly. So it's less. But then you have to look even further and go, well, if these students who are going to osteopathic schools are truly going to osteopathic schools because they are interested in the osteopathic philosophy and the osteopathic philosophy 
and the programs typically gear towards more primary care, then you would expect less than what you would look just looking at total numbers of students. And so it would kind of make sense. So as here's, here's I'll, I'll go off on a tangent a little bit. And this is the problem that I have when you, when you're on student doctor network or you're on Reddit or whatever form that you're on and discussing this and you go, Oh, and, and they just show raw numbers, but they don't talk about the numbers like I'm doing right now and saying, well, okay, you have, you have basically 14% are, are osteopathic students matching for all of the, the spots. Yet it should be near 30 if we want to look at total students, MD and DO. But it, it's not always the case because what if those DO students truly are going to a DO school and and wanting to be primary care physicians, which is great because we need primary care physicians. And so, sure, it's not going to look the same because the philosophy as and, and if if you listen to my pre-med years podcast, you know I'm not a true fan of the philosophy um, sales pitch of osteopathic schools. But I I I am a true believer in that they want to train primary care physicians. And so if those students are going in wanting that, then yeah, there's going to be less that are matching in the match. So take these numbers with a grain of salt as you're staring at them, as you're talking about them with other people and thinking about them. And if you're a pre-med listening to this and you're thinking DO or MD and, and what am I interested in? And you go, oh, there are only 154 osteopathic students matched for a PGY1 spot. So I don't want to go to an osteopathic school. It's it's kind of rubbish to think that way. So just take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> All right. So again, table two lays out PGY2 spots. Again, we talked about PGY2 positions are programs that you have to apply separately to a PGY1 program. There were 481 positions available. Only 40 uh, were unfilled. 290 were U.S. seniors, 28 were U.S. grads, non-seniors, so students, again, taking gap years or not matching their first time around. 54 were osteopathic students, so a little bit less percentage than the PGY1 spots, 12.2 versus 14.3. We had zero Canadian, zero fifth pathway, 44 U.S. IMGs, so again, U.S. citizen, international medical graduates, again, Caribbean or some of these other programs overseas, and 25 non-U.S. citizen, international medical graduates. Table three of the NRMP match data talks about the, the increase or decrease of positions from year over year, and anesthesiology increased 4% from uh, 2015, uh, looking at 2016 data, so there were 4% more programs or more positions offered in 2016 than there were in 2015. There were 4% more in 2015 than 2014, 3.9% in 2014 than 2013. So it's a, a continually growing specialty, which is good if you're interested in anesthesiology, which is interesting if you go back and listen to the anesthesiology discussion that I had 
the the question comes up about CRNAs and our CRNA is going to be taking jobs from anesthesiologists. And if you look at this data, we're training more and more anesthesiologists. So if that was a concern, hopefully that would take into account or it would be taken into account the number of programs that are offered and, and you may see a decrease. But again, when I talked to the anesthesiologist, he really wasn't worried about the CRNA discussion at all. Table 7 of the NRMP 2016 match data digs into U.S. seniors and the positions offers and, and numbers filled by U.S. seniors looking from 2012 to 2016. And it just shows a trend that in 2012, 725 spots were filled by U.S. seniors and in 2016, 774 were filled by U.S. seniors. And it, it looks like the, the trend, because there were less spots offered in 2012 than in 2016, that there are, percentage-wise, the, per, the percentage of U.S. seniors filling those spots is actually going down a little bit. And just doing the math, it's about 10%. It actually went down uh, the number of, of U.S. seniors filling anesthesiology for PGY1 positions. Went down about 10% from 2012 to 2016. And again, for PGY2 spots, there again was a, a decrease here, uh, a pretty big decrease. In, in 2012, 397 U.S. seniors filled 557 spots, so the, the spots decreased, but again, a much bigger decrease in 2016 percentage-wise. There were only 290, again, 397 versus 290 for 481 spots, and it's about 11% difference from 2012 to 2016. So I wonder where we talked about this decrease for PGY2 spots. I wonder if there's just a lack of awareness about these PGY2 spots or if they're, if we've just become so lazy that we only want to apply to PGY1 spots because it reduces the the number of programs that we have to interview at and apply to. And, and it, it obviously is a much bigger hurdle and it seems like the non-US seniors are more willing to do that extra work. It's kind of interesting. So table, or figure five actually, again, 2016 NRMP match data, talks about uh, the number of positions offered and filled for selected specialties, again in 2016. Anesthesiology here has categorical positions listed and uh, advanced positions and also the physician position. So it has everything listed here. There were 1,696 positions offered, only 1,590 filled, and 1,064 of those filled by U.S. allopathic seniors, so MD graduates. So 66.9% of all of the program slots that were filled for anesthesiology in 2016 were U.S. MD graduates or U.S. seniors, actually. So Table 8 has an interesting trend here. Table 8, again, 2016 NRMP match data, talks about 
the positions offered and percent filled by U.S. seniors and all applicants, again, 2012 to 2016. So you see a nice trend. 78.9% of all programs, all anesthesiology programs, were, or all, excuse me, all PGY-1 anesthesiology programs, 78.9% in 2012 were filled by U.S. seniors. 748 in 2013, so it went down 4%. It went up, uh, excuse me, it went down again in 2014, 71.9%, so down another 3% almost. And then it went up a tad in 2015, it went up 1.1%. And then it went down in 2016 to 687 So you see a general trend from 2012 to 2016, of less U.S. seniors matching or filling positions in anesthesiology for PGY-1 spots. So the question comes, is is this because there's less interest? Are students worried about this CRNA thing, maybe? Uh, it, are, are more people going into uh, primary care, maybe? Again, we're just looking at anesthesiology here, so can't make any predictions or uh, draw any conclusions just based on the raw numbers, but the it shows a, an, a general trend downward. Again, PGY2 positions, 2012 had 71.3 U.S. seniors filling all of the spots. 2013 had 68.6, so a, a big decrease. In 2014, 63.5, another big decrease, almost 5%, or a little more than 5%. In 2015, it went down uh, more than a percentage, again, to 62.3, and then 2% in 2016, it went down. So 60.3% of PGY2 anesthesiology programs were filled by U.S. seniors. So again, another big decline, big decrease in... U.S. seniors matching or filling these PGY-1 and PGY-2 spots for anesthesiology. Tables 9, 10, 11, and 12 are interesting to look at because they tell you the percentage of the specialty based on the total percentage of all of the programs offered. So all the other specialties combined are going to add up to 100 And anesthesiology accounted for 4% of all matches to PGY-1 positions. So 4%, it's not bad. It's actually one of the larger ones on the list, just to give you an idea. Obviously, the primary care ones are going to be the largest. You have family medicine, 11.5. Internal medicine, almost 26%. Um, You have pediatrics at 10%. So... It's uh, it's right up there. Uh, some other surgical subspecialties, uh, you have OBGYN at 4.7. And let me look for orthopedics on here is 2.7. So it makes sense that anesthesiology would be more than orthopedics because anesthesiology is doing all of the surgeries and not just orthopedic surgery. So 4% of all applicants that are matching Um, are in anesthesiology. And then it breaks down, table 10 breaks down for U.S. seniors, 
4.5% of all matching U.S. seniors are to anesthesiology. Table 11 looks at osteopathic students and graduates. So it doesn't um, specifically say osteopathic seniors, which is interesting. Um, But what is interesting here is 6.4% of all osteopathic students that are filling a MD program, 6.4% are for anesthesiology. And again, looking at the other MD programs, just to give you a sense, 16, uh, almost 16% are family medicine, almost 21% internal medicine, pediatrics, almost 15%. So uh, anesthesiology is right up there. It's a, it seems to be a good one for osteopathic students, which is interesting. So what about students that don't match in anesthesiology? What are the numbers that those look like? And if you look at figure six in the data here, the NRMP 2016 data, there are 8.9% total unmatched. And it's actually the second lowest in this figure. And there are, uh, there is a note here that says specialties with fewer than 20 matched applicants are excluded from this figure. So this is pretty thorough. And again, anesthesiology has the second lowest non-match rate for um, for all of the NRMP data, 8.9% for all applicants, 0.8% for unmatched U.S. seniors. So U.S. seniors that are only ranking anesthesiology and, um, and, and going into the match only wanting to match in anesthesiology, less than 1%, 0.8% are not matching. Independent, what they call independent applicants. So anybody who's not a U.S. MD senior is 23.8%. Again, second lowest. Actually, the the lowest lowest on this list. Um, Internal medicine and pediatrics, which is the lowest overall, has a 30.8% for unmatched independent applicants. So that's kind of interesting to see. Table 17 talks about the number, the average number of ranked applicants per position. So looking at anesthesiology for PGY1 spots, there were 8.4 ranked applicants per position. So there are a lot of people applying for these programs. And if you look at PGY2 spots, there are 19.4 average number of ranked applicants per position. The SOAP program, the Supplemental Offer and Acceptance Program, which used to be called scrambling, uh, you would scramble into a spot if you didn't match through the through your normal ranking system. There were, Table 18 talks about uh, the participating programs and positions for the SOAP. And for anesthesiology, there were 20 programs that were participating, meaning those 20 programs had open spots after uh, after the normal match algorithm did its thing, and there were 51 positions, and 48 of those went filled to through the SOAP program. Those are for PGY-1 spots, and then 11 programs, 34 spots for PGY-2 positions. Now, again, being the first time that I'm digging into this data, there's a lot more data 
that I could dive into. Again, if you look at NRMP match data, they have what's called charting outcomes in the match for U.S. allopathic seniors. So this is very specific to allopathic, so MD seniors. They break down into the board scores and everything else. And actually, I'll, I'll talk about board scores because I, I know that's always a, a big discussion here. Uh, board scores kind of dictating how competitive something is. So if you look at board scores, so USMLE step one for uh, anesthesia, it looks like their median number here is about 232, maybe 231 for matched applicants and unmatched, it's much lower, around 208 maybe. Uh, doesn't uh, talk about specific numbers on here, just a range. And then step two, CK, so the, the clinical knowledge, again, matched anesthesiology is around 241, so about 10 points higher, which is normal. Most It seems like the average trend is people do better on step two, CK. It's more medicine-based and not just memorization like step one. And uh, the unmatched for anesthesiology is about 222, roughly. Um, so a, a bigger jump than uh, the the unmatched for step one. But again, it, it digs into research experience and abstracts and publications and, and much more data. So it's all out there. I, I think one other thing I wanted to talk about was Medscape data and their reviews that they do, the surveys rather, sorry, of physicians. So Medscape every year has a a physician lifestyle report and then a physician compensation report. So I wanted to talk about the lifestyle report for Medscape. It's a 2017 lifestyle report for Medscape. Again, if you just do a quick Google, very easy. It comes up uh, right away. So anesthesiology, uh, the one of the first slides on here is which physicians are most burnt out and burned out. And anesthesiology is right in the middle of the pack at 51%. Emergency medicine, the highest at 59 And psych and mental health, the lowest at 42 according to, again, the 2017 Medscape report, lifestyle report. So anesthesi- anesthesiology right in the middle. How severe is the burnout uh, on a scale from 1 to 7 where one is it does not interfere with my life, and seven is it is so severe. I'm thinking of leaving medicine all together. Anesthesiology is at a, a four point one. Again, uh, kind of uh, a little bit lower than the middle of the pack. Urology leading the pack at four point six, and infectious disease at three point nine. Slide eighteen talks about which physicians are the happiest, and anesthesiology a little bit higher up that uh, it, it, it breaks it down at work and outside of work. Anesthesiology has 33% happiness in work and 69% outside of work. And uh, just to give you an example, it looks like most of it is based off of outside of work, just looking at the trend line, 76% for urology. They're, they're happiest outside of work, 31% inside of work. And if we look at the Medscape Physician Compensation Report, which 
a lot of students would like to know, like, how much money am I going to be making? Let me just, I'll give the, the disclaimer, don't choose your specialty based on income. Uh, money will not buy you happiness if you're not doing what you like. Anesthesiology um, is unsurprisingly near the top at an average of $360,000 a year, which is not too shabby. That is only about a 1% increase from the prior compensation report, which is interesting, not a, not a big increase. It's one of the lower increases. An interesting slide here on the compensation report, slide 12, says which specialties have the most female physicians? Anesthesiology is one of the lower ones at 21%. OBGYN, unsurprisingly, uh, and pediatrics, uh, far and away, uh, the majority are females at 55 and 53%. And a good slide, slide 15, which physicians feel fairly compensated? Anesthesiology near the top at 55%. Dermatology is the highest at 66%. Difference in earnings between physicians who feel fairly versus unfairly compensated. Anesthesiology is lower at $44,000. So physicians who thought they were not being fairly compensated versus physicians who were, the difference in pay was about $44,000. Interesting number. One of my favorite slides to always look at is slide 17. How do physicians rank by overall career satisfaction? Anesthesiology, overall career satisfaction, 54%. They were satisfied with their income at 55%. They would choose medicine again, 59%. And choose specialty, only 48%. Interesting number. So one of the things when you're looking at these surveys is there's an obvious selection bias uh, for those, I don't know if selection bias is the right term, but the the ones that are filling out these surveys are going to possibly be ones that are more dissatisfied with their job. So take these numbers with a grain of salt and uh, look into these specialties as you go through your your training and figuring out what you want to do and... uh, break these numbers down and everything down based on what you want and what you need for your career. The They have one more slide here, kind of a redundant one here. Slide 31, I would choose medicine again, and anesthesiology is kind of lower at 59%, 73% for family medicine, 47 for plastic surgery. And I, it's interesting, I... It'd be interesting to to kind of get somebody to break down these numbers and go, well, fam- family medicine, internal medicine, those are people going into primary care wanting to treat patients. So yeah, they're going to choose medicine again because that's what they're going into. And then when you look at some of these other specialties like plastic surgery, radiology, the lower ranked ones, more of the surgical subspecialties and ones that are higher paid. And so were these people going into the field because the money was there? Interesting to think about. Again, choosing the same specialty, anesthesiology, right in the middle pack at 48%. And just to give you an idea for this survey, 6% of all of the respondents were anesthesiologists. So pretty good number. 
All right, so I think I will end there. We talked about the match data specifically for the MD uh, match data. The the osteopathic match data isn't as easy to read, and you have to break it down by state. And so I'm not going to dig into those. Unfortunately, it's just harder to read. They don't they don't make it as pretty and easy to to look at and talk about as the NRMP data. So. Uh, Things to take away, just because there are less osteopathic students matching into anesthesiology overall compared to the total number of students for osteopathic and MD doesn't mean that your chances are are lower, just means that maybe there are less osteopathic students that want to go into, into um, anesthesiology. So it doesn't, it didn't break down the total number of applicants that I saw. If I missed that, let me know. I hope this was useful. It may be confusing. Again, first time I'm trying this, so let me know how it goes. Email me, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. Again, it it would be easier to have all this information in front of you, so maybe not the best episode while you're at the gym or driving in the car or whatever you're doing listening to this podcast now. But I hope it was helpful And I look forward to your feedback. Coming up, I have a lot of uh, interesting people lined up, a physiatrist, a neuroradiologist, a very subspecialized ENT surgeon, a general ENT. I think he's general ENT. Um, I have a forensic pathologist coming on and one of my my best ones coming on, but it won't be for later, uh, later, later, is... Um, B.J. Miller, um, a a um, palliative care physician. So I'm excited about that. He's a, an amazing palliative care physician. Look him up. He's got an amazing TED Talk. He agreed to come on Specialty Story. So I'm excited for what is to come. Again, let me know. Give me some feedback on this episode to see if you were able to to keep keep track of all these numbers and things that I talked about. I hope you have a great week. If you liked this episode, do me a favor, go tell a friend. If you're in medical school, go tell your class about about this podcast and have them subscribe, help them figure out what they want to do on their journey to becoming a physician.